We are going to start now with the book club call. Thank you guys for being here today on February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone that's listening on the recording. And today we are going to be talking about The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. So if there's anyone on the call that doesn't know who Shonda Rhimes is, uh, she owns or owned Thursday Night TV, which was Grey's Anatomy, Private Practice, uh, How to Get Away with Murder, and Scandal. So she was the writer uh, and I believe producer or one of the producers for all of those unbelievably well-known hit shows. And I, this had been on my bucket, on my list to read for a long time. She wrote it a few years ago and I just never got around to reading it. And I thought we would include it in this year's book club. And I really, really enjoyed it. I listened to it on the audio and she uh, read the book herself. And I really, I really like when the authors do that versus when they hire professionals. And um, I just really enjoyed the book. I know, uh, Greg, you, did you read the book or did you listen to the book? I read it. Um, and what's interesting is that it, it, her emotion and, and her, um, the storytelling ability, you can just, in the words that she chooses, it comes through, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I, I th- it would, you know, listening to the book would be an actually very interesting perspective um, after reading it. So eventually I'll probably have to go back and listen to it. She, yeah, she, you can tell, I mean, you can tell why she has been able to write those TV shows because she's really a phenomenal writer. Didn't you think she's a phenomenal writer? I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny because the, the, where she gets her ideas and how, how, she, you know, this she'd always wanted to be a writer, and and you know, she describes it. So I, I make up stuff. I make up stuff for a living, and <laughs> it's it's kind of interesting. And you know, and she does. I mean, it's not complicated. She she makes fake characters and she puts them in these fake stories, and it all just kind of ties together. Yeah, they're very relatable. Right. And, you know, I think she starts the book saying, I'm a liar. (laughs) You know, it kind of takes you off because I'm a liar. I've lied my whole life. And you're like, it draws you in right away. And you're like, what is she talking about? And then she says, you know, she her favorite place growing up was the pantry. And she would hide in the pantry. She had, you know, I think two sisters and she would hide in the pantry making up characters. And she described herself as a nerd and she lived in fantasy lives. And, you know, the fact that she was able to turn that around and make it a career still blows her mind. And we will come back, you know, I'll come back to to different things in the book, but the premise of the book was Thanksgiving morning. She's in her sister's kitchen cooking. She has one child at the time and um, she's bragging to her sister kind of, about all of these invitations she's getting because she's Shonda Rhimes. And um, her sister turns to her and says, well, you'll never accept any of these invitations because you always say no, you're the no girl. And that caught her by surprise. 
And she goes, you know, what do you mean by that? And she goes, you never say yes. And she thought about it. And um, I don't know, I'm thinking, I can't remember, Greg, if the, she ended up going to the White House and um, she was at an event at the White House and she, it was a self, um, she like self-analyzed and said, if, if left up to my desire, I wouldn't have gone to the White House. And it was such a phenomenal experience. You know, shame on me for not taking advantage of some of these opportunities given to myself. And she goes, I'm going to take the next 12 months and I'm going to say yes to everything, especially the things that scare me. Like she said yes to speaking at um, a graduation uh, ceremony at, I guess, where she went to college, which, you know, was, and she, and she, and she goes on to describe, and it's very funny when she's doing this on the audio, is, you know, when she, like, when she says yes, she, the, her immediate reaction is she wants to, you know, go poop. <laughs> so, you know, she, like, she's, I'm going to go have diarrhea when I say yes. So, um, so she, she, throughout the book, she talks about all of the things she says yes to. And what's very funny, or what, what's very interesting, is near the end of the book, she realizes that as, as much as she needs to say yes to some things, coincidentally, she has to start saying no to some things. For example, she was engaged to a man and he kept pressing her to pick, you know, set a wedding date. And she realized that in her heart, she just never really wanted to get married. And this was a great guy and, you know, he fit all of the check marks, but she just didn't want to get married. And so at the end of the book, it, she comes full circle and says, as much as I, you know, want to say yes, and I want to do, I want, like she, she went on um, the, on a TV show, uh, uh, what was that lady, uh, Mindy, Cal, Mindy, uh, the Mindy show, she went on that and had a great right. time. I think she went on Saturday Night Live and had a great time. Like she started, she spoke to a group of powerful women in Hollywood. She won an award, which she normally would turn down getting an award. And she got to do that. And so as she, throughout the first part of the year, started saying yes and being very scared and wanting to poop every time she said yes, she got more and more and more out of it and getting more engaged in society and with peers. And then, and then it went full circle and she said, I need to say no sometimes too. So I thought that was just brilliant that, that, that it turned into that. Like, and I always say to people, no is a complete sentence, right? You know, I get, you know, we all get bombarded with people asking us to do things and our time is very limited. Um, we've all learned that, you know, we all know that already, but when this, the tragedy happened with Kobe Bryant, I think all of us, especially those of us that are parents realize we only have so many days and so many hours and uh, time is so important that it's also very important to say no to things or to people that we don't think we're going to either benefit or, or that we want to benefit them. So did it, what did you think? Did anyone on the call read the book besides Greg and I? Probably not, right? So, Greg, did you what did you think about that? How it, the book ended with her having to start to say no. Well, I mean, it, what it showed was is that she can't be a that she's not going to be a perfect person, and you know, 
when she's all in on one thing, she's gonna you're gonna have to give up on another. And you know, it, it talks about you know she'd always you know as she went through the book, you know she went through about talking about playing with her kids, and you know she would be be running, go 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 go, and and never have time to kind of sit down for the fifteen or twenty minutes, whatever it would take to go play with her daughter, play dolls and make believe, you know, and that that's okay. And, you know, she had mentioned that because she, she wanted to be at Chris, you know, at Sandra O's last taping of, of Grey's Anatomy, but she couldn't because she was at a recital of her daughter and mm-hmm. she like, you know, and she understood and, and, and kind of swallowed that. It's like, like, you know what? I, it's okay. I'm, I'm going to be okay. If I don't do everything, at, for, for everyone. I'm going to do what's in the best interest of me and what's the best interest of my family. And those, those are the decisions that I'm going to make and people will have to deal with it. And right. I, I just think it's so strong to, to un, and, and to kind of understand that, that, right. you know, you can't be everybody's everything and you just have to, you know, be able to be comfortable in your own and be comfortable with that decision. Yeah, the quote, the quote in the book, she says this, she says, Shonda, how do you do it all? The answer is this, I don't. Whenever you see me somewhere succeeding in one area of my life, that almost certainly means that I'm failing in another area of my life. So, I, you know, I think we all, everyone on the call, whether you read the book or not, we all have that inner uh, balance and frustration and... You know, how, how are we going to, you know, make five more prospecting calls or be at this closing or, you know, like, for example, I, you know, I feel bad. I, I'm going to be in Nashville for um, the OAC, the open air conference. And I just found out that my, my son's great Gatsby party at school is when I'm going to be there. And it's very frustrating. I wish I could fly home early and go to that great Gatsby thing. And, I, and I'm trying to see if maybe that's a possibility to do, but um, we can't be, you know, we can't do it all. And, you know, and, and, and um, I think that not only, obviously, I think every human being has that challenge, not just people in our industry. And, you know, what's great about our industry with, for many of us is we, are in it in situations where we can leave early to go to the baseball game and then send emails later at night that's you know one of the reasons when i talk to women who ask me how are you a single mother and able to succeed in this industry i think you know because we don't have to do a you know an eight to six time clock that affords us some flexibility so um, I like this quote too. She says, um, I think a lot of people dream and while they are busy dreaming, the really happy people, the really successful people, the really interesting, powerful, engaged people are busy doing. You know, I, uh, Mario and I went to a college tour yesterday and his dream is to play professional golf. And on the way home, I said, let's do, you know, the path of how, you know, the, the big audacious goal is to play professional golf, but let's, you know, what are the 20 steps to get there? Because you can't just dream it or wish it. You've got to do the activity. 
right? Like, you know, uh, Kara and I have a goal, 10 slash 90. I wanna sign 10 leases in 90 days. This is a big audacious goal because we didn't sign 10 leases in 2019. So, however, yesterday or this morning when I was working on the LOIs that we have out or the leases we have out, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, we have eight leases out. Now, will they get signed by March 31st? I don't know. Will they die at the execution table, which has been happening a lot lately for many of us in the leasing field? Maybe. But I don't think that last year we had eight LOIs you know, in six months, let alone in six weeks. But we, what we did is when we set the goal, we then set the activity to reach the goal, right? We got busy doing. I've literally personally sent out 1,500 Facebook prospects. So um, we're going canvassing the minute we are finished with this call. We're going to do three hours of canvassing today. So um, I, I, I love the, the dreaming versus the doing quote um, because uh, I think that's crucial for us. A another quote, another thing that I love. Now, I have, I have not done this, but I'm gonna, next week I'm speaking in Phoenix and I'm going to do this the morning I speak. Standing around like Wonder Woman in the morning can make people think you are more amazing at lunchtime. So she says that there is scientific evidence that if you stand like Wonder Woman, you know, hands on your hips, guys, you can do this too, chest back, feet spread for five minutes, there's scientific evidence it improves your self-esteem and how others perceive you. So she says, stand up like a badass, legs in a wide stance, chin up, hands on your hips, like you own the place, like you have on magic silver bracelets and you know how to use them, like your superhero cape is flapping behind you. So I'm going to do that next week on the, the morning of the 20th before I give my talk in Phoenix. And I'm going to let you guys know what the results are. But who, anyone on the call like to stand around like Wonder Woman? I, we will not laugh at you if you're a guy and say that you do. Barry, Barry Wolf, do you ever stand around like Wonder Woman? I can't say I do. No. <laughs> Sorry. Well, so, so I'm going to try it. I've got, this, uh, I've got this horrible mental picture of Barry standing there. So. <laughs> What about as the greatest American hero, just for anybody that kind of goes back to the late 70s with me? There you go. I do, you know, but I think she says there's scientific evidence. Um, the, another quote is that was a topic is she said she spent years in high school trying to make her hair look like Whitney Houston, only to learn as an adult that it was a wig. She said, had she known that even, even Whitney's hair couldn't look like that, she would have been trying to chase, you know, chase a dream that never existed and stop looking or trying to be other people. Just be yourself and deal with what life, you know, has given you, right? What is, what is the, the saying? Um, if life gives you lemons, make lemonade, right? So I think, I think that that is, is good, good advice for, for all of us, all of us professionals. And then she says, she says, um, when she, she said that I'm a powerful woman who knows no powerful women. 
that she her she had surrounded herself with people that were not as powerful as she was or that you know and she, I, and she says she humbly said that but she she said the people that are I, that are surround myself with their the actors or the actors were, were powerful people but she didn't surround herself with successful writers successful producers and she learned that sometimes she needed to learn from other people too and she needed to surround herself with people that she could look up to that were mentors for her not that she was the only mentor in the room and i think that for many of us that have reached levels of experience and success in our worlds and we have a lot of people calling us saying will you be my mentor or will you know will can i learn from you or can you share your success tips who are we reaching out to you know who are we asking to, for pe you know for people to mentor us or do we no longer need mentors so i tend to, to read a lot and watch a lot of podcasts from very successful people that i learn from that are more i don't know if you call them celebrity status but you know as you guys know gary vaynerchuk grant cardone those guys so I think it's important that we continually learn from others. Does anyone, does, is anyone in on the call in like a mastermind group where they learn from others or like an EO or anything like that? I'm not in like a group, um, but I mean, I, you know, I, I consider these book calls you know, kind of as a networking group, uh, you know, we're able to share ideas and experiences and, 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 you know, be able to learn from what authors, you know, the good and the bad of what authors are doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I get a lot of value out of these conversations once a month. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that, that participate in multiple book clubs and, you know, I'm trying to seek out more um, because there's just, at least I'm not as well connected in Houston as I think others are perhaps in their specific markets. Now I'm, I've made a pretty, pretty strong attempt to connect with others in, in town um, mm -hmm. because I do think it's beneficial, but um, I mean, I think we should all try to strive to learn more and, 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 and surround ourselves with what those that we believe to be smarter than us. And, um, you know, I mean, she talks about it in the book. I mean, she, you know, a best friend, a, a person that she says is one of her best friends. And, you know, she ultimately discovers that this person was a fake and, you know, it hurts. And sometimes you have to, those are conversations that you need to have with yourself and, and those that you surround yourself with and to determine really who, who truly is really important in your life. Well, and not only that, not only is the woman of faith or the person, I don't know if she, if she identified it was a female or a male, but not only was the person of faith, but the person was um, being negative around her all the time, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, and then so, she started to, ask, you know, the woman asked for something and Shonda said no and right. was, was challenged her a little bit and the woman like flipped out. Right. That she she wasn't a true friend and and you know we all have read that quote you you are the sum of the five people that you surround yourself with and um, that's that's hard sometimes because you have friendships that go you know 
for Dale Scott and I, we probably have friendships that have lasted 40 years, right? So it's important though to, to surround ourselves with like, you know, uh, Barry and I are part of a social media group that we put together for, I think that we've got five or five or so people in the group. And um, I don't know, you know, Barry can speak to it, but I learn every time we meet, which we meet quarterly, and it's a group of people in South Florida that were, um, that, you know, were kind of dabbling in social media. We started the group two years ago, over two years ago. And every time we meet, you know, we're very positive. We, you know, we boost each other up. We give each other feedback. We, we share ideas. This is working for me. This isn't working for me. And I think we all leave that it's, we meet for about two to three hours and we leave with, we're armed with new information, new ideas. We hold, we try to hold, we don't hold each other accountable as much as maybe we should, but it's, it's a really great group. And right. What do you think Barry about our group? Yeah, no, I learn a ton every time. I, I love the, I, I wish I hadn't, you know, I wish we even more often, but no, I think that's fantastic. I mean, learn a ton from you and the other folks. And uh, so now I think something things like that are fantastic. And then, you know, and we, we started a, a local dead deal group for those leasing agents on the call where we, again, we don't meet quarterly because there aren't hopefully not too many dead deals happening every quarter, but twice a year, we try to meet with the four neighborhood leasing agents that are, have properties around our properties. And we, we just did it about, we did it a bit in December, I think. And there were six of us and we all had properties in the area and everyone was to bring, you know, a couple of deals that they weren't able to make for whatever reason, exclusives, TI, rent. And we shared those deals. Again, remember this is deals we couldn't do at our particular shopping center and the other five leasing agents in the market, like within the neighborhood, uh, maybe they could, maybe they could call the guy, follow up and do a deal. And, but, you know, so not only are we sharing prospects that we weren't able to do deals with that maybe someone else could pick up and run with, we then spent an hour learning about market information and, you know, and people are chatting about, you know, things that they're doing or working on. Um, and it's so valuable, so valuable to have smaller groups. And, 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 you know, another thing that, that I like to try to do when I'm at conferences is get together leasing directors that are not, that are not in the neighborhood. So it, it would be pretty hard to get five leasing directors in South Florida together to share because we're competitors, like, right? When I was the leasing director at Terranova with 12 leasing agents, I didn't want to get together with three other leasing directors. I'd be worried, you know, there's like, there are, I don't know if there's any secrets left in the world, but that's kind of a harder thing to do. But if you can get together with leasing directors, you know, from around the country, so that the California guy's there, an Ohio guy's there, or a New York guy's there, or a South Florida person's there, and, and share, information on leading a team or recruiting or you know different things that come up anytime i think that you can network with a smaller group and share wins and ideas i think everyone in the group benefits by quadruple so uh, you know i highly encourage that
I'm trying to look for another quote here. Um, she she ends. I, I, I'm not in. We're not ending the call, but I'm just at this quote where it says she ends the book with the Eleanor Roosevelt quote: "You must do the things you think you cannot do," which is, you know, again, great advice in life. Like, you know, hopefully we can lease ten spaces in ninety days. But you you must do the things you cannot do. You must try things that you're afraid to do. Like she says, doing things that are uncomfortable. Um, I'm in the middle of listening to the Jesse Isler book that we're gonna have this summer. I just love him. I just saw him at the Nexus ICSE. And um, the, uh, he talks about the seal that lives with him. That's what the book is about. And the seal tells him, he, they, he takes him to the gym and he says, do, go do, do some pull-ups. So Jesse does like eight pull-ups. And then he goes, okay, do them again. And Jesse does six pull-ups. And then he goes, okay, do them again. And Jesse does three pull-ups. So Jesse's going, wow, I did, you know, 17 pull-ups. I'm an animal. And, and the seal says, we're not leaving the gym until you do a hundred. And Jesse's like a hundred pull-ups. I can't do a hundred pull-ups. And the seal guy says, um, you, Anytime your brain tells you you, you can't do something, you're 40%, you're, you're at 40% capacity of your, that your brain, your brain's stopping you at 40% of your capacity. And sure enough, over the next hour and a half, Jesse would do one pull up and then walk around the gym and do another pull up and walk around the gym. And in less than two hours, he did 100 pull ups. And he said, that was an unbelievable lesson. I would have paid you, I, I would have bet you $100,000 I couldn't do 100 pull-ups. So I think that, that if every one of us picked one thing today and said, I don't think I can do this, but I'm going to set it as a goal and I'm going to try to do it. And that's, you know, the Grand Cardone rule of the 10x, right? Put a goal that is so crazy, it's 10x. You know, and and maybe you don't hit the goal, but you're you'll get close. You'll get you'll exceed what a normal goal would be. So, is anyone in the practice of doing that, setting BHAG goals that you know, like I'm our ten for ninety. When I told Kara we were going to set that goal, I think she thought I was crazy. But now, looking at our list on February fourteenth. We're halfway there and we have eight LOIs. I think she's pretty excited. Would we have had the LOIs had we not set the goal? I don't know. What do you guys think? Barry, do you set BHAG goals or are you pretty conservative? Um, aggressive, but I, I guess I think achievable. So maybe I've, I've actually thought about when I read 10X by grant, I was thinking that like, do I literally, so if I've got a goal of X dollars income a year, a number of deals, do I do like he says and just say F it and I'm going to set a goal of 10 times that for next year. I mean, maybe I hate to say you don't achieve it, but maybe you don't, but I've thought about it, but now I haven't done that. So, I mean, I, I love what you're talking about. It's making me think of some things. I think you should set a 10. I think you should take your income goal. It's only February 16th and 10 exit and then back and then back into what are the activities it's good like look like here's for example when we said 1090 the 1090 goal um 
I said, what we both said, what are we going to have to do to get there? And I said, we need to have five showings a week. We've, we haven't had five showings a week ever since Kara's worked with me. Um, we're probably averaging three to four showings a week since we set that goal. And then we said, okay, to get five showings a week, how much do we have to prospect? And we both realized that we needed to step up our prospecting, which, which now has caused me to do, literally I've, I've exceeded 1,500 Facebook prospects, which I didn't, don't think I did 1,500 in all of 19. So for sure, Did I lose you guys? Yeah. For a back while. Back oh, now. okay. I'm sorry. Right. I'm back. Sorry. Um, by setting crazy goals, then has you do crazy activity to reach those goals. So Barry, I'm challenging you to go back and look at your income goals. It's interesting. I was, I'm, I'm a fan of Darren Hardy, and I think you read uh, Compound Effect, if I remember right, Beth, or you, we were discussing it one time recently. And I, I've listened to several of his recordings. I've done some of his programs, and he talks about setting that kind of 10x goal. But then don't just, basically what you just did, he said they, he did that with his team, and they said, you know, just a ridiculous goal. And they said, we can't possibly do that. But then he, they looked at it like step by step by step. And the first step, like you just said, the first step of your goal of the number of listings or leases is you know, just calls. So you just, well, we can make those number of calls. And then, okay, you do that, you get the meeting. So it's just taking it step by, you know, small bite by small bite, kind of the old adage, what's the easiest way to eat a, a, an elephant? It's a bite of, you know, one bite at a time. So it's not, you don't set a goal to make X number of dollars. It's ridiculous, you know, seems ridiculous. It's, you then have to, what are the individual steps to do to get there? It's not just the end goal that just like, holy crap, I can't possibly do that. Exactly. So if you, if you said, I want to make X amount of money, then you're like, okay, that means that if I'm, let's, so let's say you say, I want to make $5 million. And last year you made a million dollars. And last year for a million dollars, you had to close 50 deals. Okay. So now you have to close 250 deals. And you're like, okay, well, well, when I closed 50 deals, I prospected this much. To close 250 deals, I have to prospect this much. Right. At least now you know. And maybe some exactly. days you'll reach that number that day, and some days you won't. But I bet you will make more than the goal of the million. Maybe you don't hit the 5 million, but maybe you hit 2.8. No, and I've had that exact thought as you said that, you know, again, getting back to 10X, setting 10 times what I've ever made, like, I can't do that. That seems absurd, mm -hmm. but what if you only got a third of the way there? So, right. So what? Exactly. I want, I wish everyone on this call would do that. I wish everyone would go back. First of all, if you haven't set goals, you need to set goals. And if you have, go back and look at your goals. And if they're safe goals, then switch them up. We are all, I mean, we are all way more capable than we give ourselves credit for. And that's what, and that was what she said in the book. One of her quotes is, don't call me lucky, call me a badass. <laughs> I love that. Right. Don't call me lucky, call me a badass. 
because you know people say that to me all the time oh you're so lucky you're so lucky that you own these shopping centers like well it, it, it wasn't luck <laughs> it was when that's i was absurd. working at 10, at 10 30 at night right and making the, those calls to those landlords i say that's just an insane comment from somebody that's somebody who hadn't accomplished anything honestly to say you got lucky i mean you're so lucky that you own i mean that's that's beyond insane I, I get that all the time. I get that all yeah. the time. Um, okay, so another quote, which I, I don't know how many people are parents, but she, you know, she did talk a lot about being a mom and being a parent. And she talked about, she says, being a mother requires us to get it together or risk messing up another person forever. And, and Greg alluded to the, if you guys could uh, mute your phones, I'd appreciate it. Someone's doing something on a calculator, I think. Um, she alluded to that this evening, she, was, she had a big fancy dress on, a big ball gown, and she goes downstairs to her house and her daughter's standing at the front door and the daughter who's like four years old is handing a little doll and says, mommy, do you have time to play? And she, um, her initial instinct is, you know, no, I'm walking out the door in my ball gown. <laughs> Don't you see, I've got to go to a big event. And she plopped, she took off her heels, plopped down right in the foyer and played. And her daughter was satiated or, right, or, or, or com content with 10 minutes. And that was a big message to her. And I think all of us as parents that our children just want us to say, yes, I, I'll play now. And is not what we're thinking. You know, we think, oh my gosh, they want us to play. I'm gonna be an hour late. And in this situation, she was, you know, it put her back 10 minutes. So I think we can all do that. And I, I, I that was really powerful for me. Any, any other parents, you know, I know Greg, it seems like Greg's the only one that read that. But now that I've shared that with you, doesn't, isn't that powerful? especially for those of you, I mean, mine not, now mine are 19 and 16. It's so funny. The, the, short, the short attention span for little kids and then even for the older kids, like my 19-year-old who comes in last night to talk to me when he gets back from taking his girlfriend home, you know, he's content after 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, they, they don't want to spend that much time with us. So why shouldn't we always stop what we're doing and give them our attention for 10 minutes? I just thought that was so powerful. Anyone else, you know, besides Greg who read it, just who was hearing this story, has, has, does that impact you in any way? Is, is Zucker on the phone? No. Anyone else on the phone that has not spoken up? That isn't shy, because you're in sales. I think Josie would speak up, but for some reason her phone is muted because I think this could relate to her as well. Barry, what do you think? No, it's interesting. I mean, you're right. I mean, to think that 
and it's funny you say they don't really want to spend that much time with us. You're right. I mean, if you get you spend 10, 15 minutes, and I'm as guilty as anybody of not you know, not spending the time I probably should. Um, but no, that's a great way to look at it. You're right. It's just give them 10 minutes here and there. I mean, it's it's spending the time and attention. You're right. And again, not not trying to be morbid or or or. or or, or sad, which today is a sad day for those of us in South Florida, and especially you with your daughter, with Danny's friend, losing her friend. You know, I think that how many of those parents, what 17 parents wish they could have those 10 minutes back with their kids, right? It's, it's I was gonna say it's funny, that's really the wrong word. But I mean, I, our friend Fred and Jamie is his daughter who, who was tragic, was killed in the shooting that we're close with. And he always, he talks about all the time uh, about he just, he tries to remember, did I give her a hug that day? Did I say, I love you as they was rushing out and just talked about it. I always just spend in that time. And I, I make a point of it since then to make sure I do say, you know, see my kid each morning, give her a quick hug and just, yeah, I love you. And, you know, and that's just, you know, 30 seconds a minute. And um, sometimes those are the times you remember. I mean, you, you certainly yeah, remember I, I, that, we, but. Yeah, we were driving to, we were driving to the bus and Mario said, are you excited? It's, it's Valentine's Day. And I said, well, I'm actually, you know, as I'm driving you to school today or to the bus stop today, I'm, I'm actually feeling sad. And I'm thinking about all of those parents who that morning, you know, didn't, didn't do that. And I actually, I was, I mean, again, not to stay on the morbid side, I was recently, I, I was, came from somebody I know that lost a family member. He recently did a phenomenal post on Facebook and he talked about, treasure or cherish the mundane and he talked about how yeah, i remember going to the games and doing this and that but i like the mundane moments the breakfast the dinners the lunch you know just when you're just we're all rushing or looking at our phones like let's just get this dinner over with so we can go about our day and yeah. he said I, I i missed that i didn't sit down and like pay attention to those moments and i i can't say i i do that enough either i mean so it i've kind of tried to keep that in my mind cherish the mundane and i think that's kind of what you're talking about is just try to remember those moments because those are the ones that we really can remember and we're, we're we we miss exactly exactly um okay let's see hey, what Beth, else it's mike corbett i just um wanted to Hi. share hello yeah my i kind of learned early my daughter gosh in utero was um 25 years ago had as her uh, kidney transplant. She had some problems in utero. They did emergency C-section, needed a kidney transplant, got it when she was two years old. Hmm. So just for the last 23 years, we've been, you know, almost on a weekly basis kind of worried about that. And, but you, to your point, you start to really appreciate every little moment. So she just hmm. got her second one in April. And so it, it really forces you to, to do what the, this last speaker was saying is appreciate those little moments that you might not have if this didn't happen. So, you know, you can look at it as a, as a blessing as well. How is your daughter doing now, Mike? She's doing good. I, um, she's, she's writing a screenplay. You know, oh. you were you were talking about the the book, and I'm going to share that book with her because I think that's important to say. You know, what do you want to do with your life, especially if you're in that situation? 
to be able to, to really dream and then be confident that you, you could potentially do what your dream, what you've been dreaming about. So. Oh. Oh, God bless. God bless. God bless. We're going to be rooting for her. What's her name? Delaney. Delaney Catherine. Actually, right. I think you and I talked before your trip to, um, was it Italy in this, was it? Italy Israel. in the summer? Israel. 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 Right. And I right. think you were, I think right. you said a little prayer for her. So yes. I really I appreciate that. But yeah, she's, her name's Delaney and she's, uh, she's a little go-getter. So we're, we're, we're very excited, but, but, but it really does, even though it's stressful, it really, it kind of, you know, you appreciate those little things in life and every moment. So it's forced me to do that where maybe, you know, when I was a, when I was in my 20s, I was pretty selfish. But, you know, I have three daughters now and a wife. And you kind of, you, you say it's not about me anymore. It's about them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, well, and, and just to uh, transition also. So thank you for sharing that, Mike. She, you know, sure. another interesting thing in the book is she talks about, Chanda talks about how, women can't take a compliment and i and i think that i think it's a i think there's some men that can and there's some men that can't but she says you know um she goes did you notice not a single woman in this room can handle being told she's awesome what's wrong with us so i guess they it was the women's awards and every time they were describing a woman or giving them accolades the woman that was up on the screen was kind of looking down or oh you know oh shucks or you know stop don't clap for me and all of that and she said why can't we just say a simple thank you when someone compliments you you know we're think we're known to say thank you but and then you know it didn't it, it wasn't a lot of work or thank you but if you know kind of giving someone else credit and she said accept the compliment the person thought enough of you to give one so um anyone on the call have a hard time taking compliments I don't have a hard time taking compliments. <laughs> I'll take all the compliments you can give me. But um, but is that anyone else? I mean, I, do I have any women on the call today or only my guys? Does anyone have a hard time taking a compliment? Barry, you're pretty uh, humble. You don't like to take, take compliments. I try to give you compliments and you, you say, ah, it's oh, I got lucky. Uh, I, I, my tendency is always to kind of uh, I, I know. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm not really good at just like taking a compliment and then I don't know. It, it does make me uncomfortable. I think. If I don't I know ever, why. Just, uh, if I ever got one, I would accept it. <laughs> Come on, Dale. You get compliments all the time. What do you think? Dale, do you think it's hard to take a compliment? Yeah. Uh, Sometimes it, it's embarrassing when people will compliment you or compliment me. Uh, it, it's somewhat embarrassing to me to have someone say things uh, sometimes. But uh, like I say, I haven't done enough to really be, get that many compliments. Oh. Uh, no, I, I, I certainly didn't you get voted the biggest? Didn't you get voted the, the, the most important or the the person the volunteer of the year for ICSE? Yeah, well, I don't know about that. I I just show up a lot. That's all. 
I think we all have a tendency, a lot of us to do what, what Dale's doing, which, cause Dale, I know you, I mean, you've had an amazing career. You're phenomenal at what you do. So there's a compliment. And yeah, I think we all like, Oh no, I, I like you even said with IC, I just show up a lot. Right. We do a whole lot more than that. And, and that for a long time, I mean, you're an amazing asset for our industry. And so I hear a lot, so, but it's easy to just like poo poo it. I think it, but yeah, I think we, a lot of us do that, but I mean, you're, you're phenomenal what you do. Well, that's very nice of you to say, but there is a classic example. That's a little embarrassing to me, but I, I, I certainly appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. So see, so Barry gives, gives Dale a compliment and Dale says, that's nice, but right. And this is what she's saying. So let's all, and so let's all, we, it's not like we should be bragging. Another quote she has in the book, she goes, it's not bragging if you can back it up. She says, I whisper this to myself in the shower every morning. So I'm not saying that we all should be bragging or braggadocious, but I do think that when people, get, what I learned a little while, and it's hard, you know, but when I, I learned when someone gives me a compliment that to just say thank you, because that's kind of, respecting their opinion and it's valuing their what they said and when you like denounce it or you negate it with a but you're kind of negating their opinion so let's all try that if we get an, an opinion that we think is from a person that we respect let's all just try to say those two words thank you i think that that is good for all of us what do you guys think Beth, can y'all hear yes. me? Yes. Um, okay, so this is Christy. This is the first time I've ever done anything like this, but um, I mean, I've been joining your group for a little bit, but I actually had that happen to me today, and I, I'm one that I can accept a compliment. I, I love to get a compliment because I'm in the learning stage, and anytime someone compliments me, it only makes me feel even better that, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm getting somewhere. I know what I'm doing. People are respecting what I'm saying. So today we were looking at a space and redesigning a shopping center that we're having a problem leasing. And my boss said to the design person, yeah, Christy um, had mentioned we should cut all these shrubs down because you just can't see the shopping center. And I, I was like, he said, I was like, but the shrubs look so good. You know, they're high. They're just kind of matured right. I said, yeah, but you can't see, you can't see the wind inside the windows at all. And he said, and then the design person comes up here and says, you need to get rid of the shrubs. He said, and so I guess Christy was right. And so it felt good to be complimented. And so I have no problem being complimented. It makes it, it encourage actually encourages me to voice my opinion and not, you know, cause maybe my opinion, maybe it won't be right, but there are times that it will be. So I don't mind speaking up and I don't mind getting a compliment. All right, Chrissy. Well, thank you for speaking up today. That was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The last, the last, the last comment I'll say that was in the book before we uh, start closing out is she says, the point of this whole year of yes project was to say yes to things that scared me, that challenged me. She says, could you do something like this? How would your lo life look different if you said yes to the things that scared you? How would your life look on the opposite side of fear? Quick. Choose one thing that scares you and vow to do it in 2020. What is it? So 
I'll tell you, I don't know if this scares me, but a new goal that I want to do, I don't run. And again, listening, I don't know where I heard this, but they said you can run a mile in a, a healthy person should run a mile in less than third. Like, I guess a healthy older person like me can run a mile in less than 13 minutes. I don't think I can do that, but I am on, I, I started fast walking. So I want to try to walk a mile before the year, I run a mile before the end of the year under 13 minutes. So that's going to be, it doesn't really scare me, but it absolutely makes me uncomfortable thinking about it. So, so I, I hope that all of you guys think about what could you do that scares you and put it on your list and start working on that. Because I do think that when we do things that are uncomfortable, you know, we get into routines and we're not going to grow and learn and improve when we're stuck in routines. So let's all shake things up and say yes to things we might not normally say yes to. And um, I think we'll all benefit personally and uh, with our community. So I think that gets us to 1219. I always promise you guys we'll be done by 1220. The next book club on March 6th is The Miracle Morning. For those of you that followed me on the Rockstar Facebook group, when I did this October, November, and December, I did it 68 days, The Miracle Morning. It's 10 minutes. You're supposed to wake up an hour earlier and do journaling, meditation, affirmation, visualization, reading, and exercise. And if you can't do 10 minutes, you know, you could do two minutes, but do those five things. So I hope you, I, I, there are millions and millions of people that have jumped on this bandwagon. I will share with you on the book club call what I experienced and how, how I, you know, how my 68 days worked. And I would love for you guys to, as you're reading the book, start the process so that we can all share how we all benefited or didn't. So I look forward to the March 6th call. I hope you guys are great. Um, have a great month. And I can't wait to tell you on March 6th where we are on our 1090. And thanks for being on the call. And always thanks for participating. Thank thanks, Beth. Thanks, Beth. Happy Thank Valentine's you. Day. Too. Happy V-Day. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.